All right then, so good evening everyone. Uh, my name is Batel, and it's so exciting to have um, you here. The, sorry, let me quickly fix something. I'm actually having some interference from Google. Okay, so I've shared the, the link. I think we're ready to go now. All right, so if you're ready for us to get started, let me see you right in the comment section. Go, 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 go. Or just tell me yes, 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 yes. Let's get started. Go, go, yeah. <laughs> nice, energy, energy, yes. Yeah, let's get that energy going. Amazing, amazing. Awesome, I can see all of that, yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. All right, so good evening once again. Um, it's so good to have you here. Yesterday, we had the first onboarding session for the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa Series 1. And it was an amazing experience having leaders from across Nigeria join in to participate in the conversation about how we can take hold of our future today. So to, yesterday we talked about storytelling and the, we talked about the power of narratives and storytelling. And one thing that I strongly believe is that stories have power, right? And the power of stories is that stories have the ability to burn new stories. Stories have the ability to birth new stories, right? So in series two, I thought to continue with storytelling and then tell someone else's story, right? Or tell the other flip side of the story, which is the story of the student of the undergraduate community, right? And that's what we'll be discussing today. So I'm gonna share my screen um, so that we can have access to the article and then we can jump right in to that. All right, so if you can see my screen, I need to see in the chat section, tell me, yes, 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 you can see the screen. If you can see, the, if you can see my screen, just tell me that yes, you can see my screen. All right, I can see people already telling me okay awesome 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 all right so all right so yesterday we talked about two things in series one which is number one the power of narratives and storytelling and number two is the sense is the collective sense of responsibility right those two things are the first things we need to harness together Right, so the three things we we're talking about that define series two is number one, um, the power of questions, right? The power of asking questions because the power of questions is that it unlocks your mind to a different possibility. When you continue to challenge the norm, you get, you get introduced to a different reality from what you're already used to, right? The power of questions is that it unlocks an aspect of your reality that you have not easily conceived, right? It takes you on a journey that you normally would not have explored. That is the power of questions. And as young, as young people trying to negotiate the future, right, we must continue to ask questions. Ask your leaders questions. Ask your lecturers questions. Ask your parents questions because that is how you will find answers, right? There are no answers without questions. 
So the ability to ask the right questions defines the quality of your life. I remember there was, there was something I, I, I used to say, and I still strongly believe, that the, the quality of your questions determines the quality of your life. If you can ask quality questions, you can live a quality life. It is as simple as that. So questions hold the power to unlock your life's potential, right? The second thing we'll be dealing with today is about the concept of an enabling environment, not just within the context of the venture matrix, but as regards your life. What does it mean to create an enabling environment for yourself? And how does it apply to the undergraduate community and their role in the future, right? Those are the things we'll be talking about today. And lastly, we'll be talking about how to unlock potential through the heart of service, right? That, those are the three things that would define our conversations today. So let's jump right into it, right? So the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa Series 2. Then the boy says to Neo, do not try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. Then you will see it is not the spoon that bends. It is only yourself. You know, if you're a fan of uh, the, the, the trilogy, The Matrix, I'm sure you can remember this scene very well. And I decided to start with this scene because it represents, it, it represents every character that is discussed in The Venture Matrix. It represents the nation. It, rep it represents you as an undergraduate in the undergraduate community. It represents opportunity. It represents every concept. And what it, what it, what it, what it, what the, what it, what the context that he applies to this article or this piece rather is that for you to, you need a mental shift. You need a paradigm shift for you to explore the unexplored. That is just simply what I'm saying there. You are the one that needs to bend. Everything that will happen to you has to happen inside of you for you to see it as a reality. Your situations will not change if you don't change. Your circumstances will not change if you don't change. So as young people trying to change the narrative, we have to imbibe new values that represent the kind of change that we are looking for what to. That is simply what it's saying there, right? So let's, let's jump right into it. Like the spoon boy, I earnestly desire above all things to provide a superior argument that would cause a paradigm shift to the existing narrative. I pray you this day. This shift is an essential instrument for building the reality of an undergraduate community-driven economic re um, re revolution. In brackets, I needed to drive this point home like a preacher to the church because this is gospel truth. So um, what that first paragraph uh, means is that I was in a very gospel truth mode, right? I felt like that what I just written in that paragraph was gospel truth, and I decided to apply some creative writing to gospel truth um, kind of concept, right? That's why I said... Um, I'm, I'm driving the point home like a preacher, like a preacher preaching to the church, right? It's just some creative form of writing, right? But that paragraph majorly focuses on change, right? And how we have to become the change that we want to see, right? We, we cannot change the world individually, but what we can do is contribute to, you know, little drops of change everywhere, just like, just like that popular, um, um, is, it, is it an axiom now or that popular saying that little, little drops of water makes a mighty ocean? That is how we will transform Africa. Little drops of change from each and every one of you, from me, from you, would cause that radical reality of change that we need 
desperately in Africa. So in series one of the Venture Matrix of the Future of Africa, I introduced the idea that the undergraduate community was the most sustainable route to developing transformative economies. And we'll discuss that concept briefly before I continue developing the narrative behind the story. So one thing we must understand is what is a transformative economy, right? A transformative economy is characterized by sustainable growth and inclusion driven by culture. That's as simple as, it, as you can define it. It hosts an economic environment where society, in brackets, social, social drives enterprise innovation and every stakeholder has a clearly defined role to play. In this type of economy, producers create, in brackets, solutions for consumers and consumers also create in, in bracket, markets for producers. Don't worry, I'll explain that. Supply creates, is in brackets, instead of driving demand, and demand creates instead of driving supply. In this economic model, social innovation and entrepreneurial creativity fuels the economic engine. This sounds like I'm just throwing some feel-good words around. So let me provide some context through a case scenario. My alma mater, Obafemi Awolowo University, and I say this as a side comment. The reason why all of these things I'm saying sound so feel good is that the environment that can host this kind of system doesn't exist yet. But we, the undergraduate community, can be, can, can be the host of this seemingly new system. Now, what I'm saying in this paragraph, right, is that a transformative economy is basically an economy run like a startup. It is characterized by steady but fast growth so an economy that you can easily predict that is what you call a transformative economy because you know that systems work you know that the variables that you use to predict actually work that is simply what a transformative economy is so if you understand the concept of a startup just think of an economy that runs like a startup lean but big fast and is exploring uh, potential. That is, that, you know, is using up all the resources. The way a startup, you know, a startup will not just hire anybody just because they can hire. No, no, no. If you are not performing a function, you cannot be in a startup. So that is how a transformative economy is. It's just like an economy that is run like a startup. Exactly. Just, I think that's as simple as it gets, right? So another, another, you know, I've seen questions in my in my email in my in my mailbox saying, oh, what do I mean by um, in this kind of economy, producers create solutions for customers, and customers also create markets for producers. Now, if you do, if if you if you know your economics, right, there is the they call they call them the invisible hand, the invisible hand of supply of demand and supply, right? Demand, right? You cannot supply. You need supply. Supply and demand are five and six. You need to You need you need demand for you to be able to supply. I need to be able to supply demand, right? But in this, in this, in this, in this context, right, what a transformative economy does is, is, simp is simple, actually, right? It means that producers create the kind of solutions that people can pay for, not just what people want. Do you understand? It's basically talking about an economy driven by innovation, where producers can see that people need this and they can create it. You know, there's the concept where um, Steve Jobs said, most times you create for the market because people don't know what they want. That totally applies also. But the point is there has to be a market for it. The reason why, see, 
Apple might not have survived if there wasn't a phone market. And that's the truth. Innovation only exists because there is an existing platform for it to build upon. That's why I'm more of a, you know, I support more of innovation than creation. I'm more of an innovation guy because I like to think of what is sustainable, what is measurable, right? When you're trying to create something totally new, when you're trying to create something that doesn't exist per se, and please, this is just, a, you know, I'm talking about the context of producing and, and, um, and consumption, right? This doesn't affect every other piece. I'm just explaining this concept here, right? Is that, you know, the market can house the value being created by the producers. I think that's as simple as I, I, can, as I can define that, right? And I said in this model, in this model, it is driven by what? Sustainable growth and inclusion driven by culture. So what that means is inclusion is that everybody has a role to play. Everybody can find themselves. Woman, man, old, young, finds their own place in the economy. Participating actively, active participation. That is what characterizes a transformative economy. Right. And the last and the, the last variable there is culture. You know, I make reference to China a lot because China is one of those. In fact, China is a little even far-fetched. Let's look at our colonial masters, right? The British, the Western, right? Why do you think you wear shirts and trousers today? It is because the Western, the Westerners have what they call the Western culture. They have a way of doing things. That even when they were they were they were they were on their quest for global dominance, culture was a tool of domination and colonialism. It's as simple as that. So until we we as young people can either um, create our own new culture as millennials or build upon the existing culture, your Yoruba guy, why can't you look for a way to infuse your Yoruba culture? Um, okay. Because this is live, I don't want to. I don't want to be too controversial because I don't want to even continue with that example of saying any ethnic group right now because they all have their restraints, right? So I believe in creating our own young culture, just like the way pop culture just emerged from a couple of people sharing the same ideas. We can have our own innovative culture for a transformative economy as young people in this age, right? So that is all I was saying in that paragraph, right? No worry, at the end of the session, I'm going to explain why I use so much artwork and very historical um, um, works for depth of reference, as what, as what is called in the art world, right? So, this paragraph. I started to observe what I called the first wave. This first wave was triggered by a shift in the political landscape that happened in my 200 level. This period ushered in a narrative that became folklore when an underdog, Sheon Fakorede Fako, decided to join the race for presidency of the Student Union Government, SUG, against an incumbent political candidate, Toyin, and became the challenger. I was privileged to be on the strategy team of the now Honorable Commissioner for Youth and Sports in Oyo State, Honorable Sheon Fakorede where I was responsible for driving the campaigns and digital communications team responsible for the campaign and communications assets tailored and deployed for its political objectives at the time. Yeah, so I was at one time privileged to work with um, the now Honorable Commissioner for Youth and Sports in Oyo State, um, Honorable Shion Fakorede, 
right? I happened to be his executive assistant. And during his um, political campaign, I was part of his digital strategist where I was designing campaigns and managing the team, handling his communications, right? So um, that's what I was basically saying there. You know, so as I'll say, right, um, I remember an interesting campaign we developed to intimate the community with who he was by deploying a counterintuitive campaign about his identity tagged, who is Fako? Who knows Fako? Tani Fako. He didn't win the election, but it made the students of Abafele Awara University believe that anything was possible within that community if we dared to go against the odds. So I was privileged to be in a position to sit at the seashore where I could see this first wave, which was inborn by that political shift, but it, brought, it, it was brought to the fore by exposure into the undercurrent of this wave. These moving parts that were seemingly unnoticed made the university community pulsate and come alive. It was an unstructured network of individuals and communities driving the value creation ecosystem that was making the lives of students better in some way. So what this whole paragraph means is that there is something called, there's something in this concept of development of the undergraduate community called the first wave. The first wave just means that, you know, it's just an event or a community of people that just deviates from the norm. You know, it just, it just, you know, it's just, it's just that event that shocks the whole school and makes people start asking questions. Remember at the beginning I said the power of questions. When people begin to ask questions, that is how you start a revolution, right? That is what I was saying in that paragraph. So in, 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 in school at the time, right, what triggered that shift was that Sean Fakarede at the time was just a leader in church. It was part of the house of, um, well, I call it house of reps, or it was just an honorable, right? It was just an honorable in the student union government, you know, just part of the house of speakers and all of that. You know, it was just a normal student who was, you know, who was known for his leadership abilities. So during that political, it was so, that, one of that political time, that political period was one of the hottest because he, he got inspired. He was the president of Eden, Eden, Eden community at the time. Whereas Eden, um, a subdivision of Gemstone Group owned by um, Feladuro Toye, right? An amazing, an amazing group of people um, in film Awolo University, right? So he was the leader of that of that of that group. He was the leader of uh, was a leader in Rema Word um, Church in in Ife, right? And he was also very involved in politics. So he just he decided that he was going to run for presidency, and that single decision disrupted the Obafemi Awolowo community till date. People still talk about it till date because the question was the guy that was you know. The, the incumbent president was still going to run for second term, right? And one guy who just a session ago, we didn't know about his political ambitions, just said he was going to run for president. And that is a political event that rocked the whole of, of, of OAU, right? So the first wave just means that disruptive event, that disruptive group of people, that disruptive um, um, situation that just makes people start asking questions. Right? I remember also the story of um, George Iwilade, who is popularly known as Africa. That is one of the things you call the first wave. You know, his death just triggered something in, 
in, in students that made them start asking questions. Like, why should we be living in fear? Why should courses have so much um, uh, influence on how we decide to live our lives as students? Why should I be hiding under my bed because someone else is being a miscreant? You know, when something happens that starts making people asking questions, you know that the first wave has begun. That is what that paragraph is basically talking about. So I want you to share with me what do you think the first wave in your school was, you know? All this time that you spent in your university as an undergraduate, right? What, what do you think characterizes the first wave in your community? I want to know in, this, in the comment section, share with me. I would like to know um, your, your first wave in, in whatever community that you are in. You know, if you are in community in, in IFE right now, you are in a different generation, so you might know something different, right? So share with me in the, in the chat section, I would like to know. So let me, let me jump right in. If you, are with, if you are still with me, I want to see you in the comment section saying, go, 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 go. Can anyone hear me? Okay, awesome. Yeah, so share, share your first wave experience with me. What do you think is that event or group of people that triggered people to start asking questions, that triggered people to start asking a different question and saying, no, we will not accept this. No, we need a change. No, this cannot happen. We cannot have things like this anymore. Right, so let me jump back into the article. So the, the swelling of the first wave is attributed to a period dominated by a class of undergraduates who were daring to create and dream beyond the reality of the university at the time. You know, at that time, it was not, you know, number one, Shemun Fakarede was a, was a Christian leader. So, you know, people just believed that politics was dirty. What should a Christian leader be doing there? You know, what, what, what do you need, you know, why not lead in church, just stay in church? And Shemun Fakarede was one of the, those people who challenged the norm. He started asking different questions. Why can't I run for presidency and bring a different style of leadership into the conversation in our student union government? That was simply the question he wanted to ask. He wanted to answer. That was simply the question he wanted to inspire students to start thinking. Why can't we? Who says we can't? Just that simple question would radically change any community, right? Just like the same way Obafemi Awolo was death triggered something in Nigeria. Just the same way the death of Fela Anikul I'm sorry, Kuti. You get the point, right? That death triggered something. So there's always a major event that triggers people to start asking questions. That is when you know the first wave has begun. Right? So the swelling of the first wave is attributed to a period dominated by a class of undergraduates who were daring to create and dream beyond the reality of the university at the time. The chaos by design undergraduate that I was, was always seeking to connect with the outliers, the round pegs in square holes, the rebels, the outcasts. So most of my friends, as I said, you know, in, series, in, in yesterday's podcast, most of my friends were older than me by at least two to four years in the university. In fact, my best friend was, uh, my best friend at the time, um, Oladapo Shinfumi, you know, he was about two, three years, he was a pharmacy student, two, three years ahead of me. And we were best friends at the time, right? So it was a no-brainer that I started to connect to that network of dreamers. I just found myself among them. As I said, just your enthusiasm to explore a different conversation of the question will introduce you to a different kind of life. That question of why must I follow this path? Why can't I create this path? It's not, it's not, it's not a form of antagonism. It's not a form to defy the... It's not, it's not the... the it's not um, anti-authoritarian. It's not. It's just you questioning the norm. Ask questions. The reason why Nigeria is where it is today is we've not asked questions 
from the older generation. We just they just handed over Nigeria to us the way it is, and we just accepted. Ah, pay. oh, Shebi is like this. We met it, so it's like this. We'll continue. No, 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 you have to ask questions. Why do you people say we should do things this way? Why can't we do these things this way? That is how we would create a different reality. We need to ask questions as young people. That is, it is, it is, it is, it is very essential to the future. So let me continue reading. It was a no-brainer that I started to connect to that network of dreamers. The period of the first wave had dreamers like Toby Obasa, who had undergone um, an internship with Goldman Sachs and came back to start a project management training market with Dafton 8020. So in this section, I begin to talk about those individuals that contributed to the first wave in Obafemi Awara University in my time, right? So those guys were creating markets that did not exist, right? Toby Obasai was one of those disruptive characters that he got an internship, a summer, a summer analyst internship with Goldman Sachs, and he just he just left and went abroad, did this, did this, did the um, internship, and from there just started you know, getting so much opportunities that when he came back to university, he was a powerhouse. He started project management markets in Ife single-handedly. It was amazing what Toby Obasa did in Obafemi of University, right? So we had the likes of Damola, Joshua Ilesomi, and Wale driving the growth of Trill House. If you know Trill House, if you are in OU, you would know, you respect the amount of work that Trill House has done. Trill House has built a business in the undergraduate community of um, University that is beyond commendable. It is amazing what Damola has done with Trillhouse. They have expanded, you know, classic, in fact, I don't know why I, I need to add that, classic info systems. Those guys are so big, they are growing so fast right now. In this same effect, because of this same concept, they solved problems in their, in their, in their local environments, OU community, and then branched out they didn't stay there they didn't start thinking of global business they branched out to elefe to solve problems for elefe we have classic info systems in mayfair helping people access quality phones helping people people repair their phones that is how we could we should think we need more business models like that we need more business leaders like that who can think that way and create solutions right build value simply so we had kunle oladoku building king's child that changed into campus child Right, Kule, Kule Oladuko has even started another amazing startup called Easy Papers. You know, I was, I was, I, 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 I worked on the project of Easy Papers. Um, I think last year it was an exciting project. Yes, yeah, so Kule Oladuko, too, while he was in, on campus as an undergraduate, um, was building product. He was building the business King's Chow that changed to Campus Chow. Was that and that was helping students access quality meals. You know, quality amazing experiences. But let me read on. So we have Mama Sarah. Mama Sarah, who is popular for <laughs> a jollof rice and fried rice. You can't get, at the time, you couldn't get any other experience of fried rice and jollof rice except you go to Mama Sarah. Mama Sarah was doing really amazing stuff, creating value. Show Risky, that's another name that will ring in OAU for a long time. Show Risky. Show Risky was the guy that, he, 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 the guy exposed us to how bread and egg can become a brandable item. It was amazing, or it is amazing what Shane Risky did in Obafemi Awolo University, right? So Shane Risky, you know, the business grew so fast that I started a subsidiary called Aside Arts, where he was doing pop-off, disruptive models. So what, what, what stood out in these guys is that they were doing, they were always doing something different. They were always creating value. They were always exploring opportunity. Shane Risky did something different where 
he knew that students like Popoff. So what he did was, how can I give students more value for Popoff? So instead of doing tenera small, um, instead of doing tenera small uh, uh, Popoff, he started doing 20 naira big Popoff, and that changed the game totally. Right? So um, going back to that, we have shown risky realtor group into a subsidiary called Asi Day Hot and Twisters founded by Laomi, exposing us to dream big and act excellent by, okay, sorry about that. Twisters founded by Laomi, exposing us to how quality is a birth child of consistency and Boye Oshinaga, building young soul. So Boye Oshinaga was one of those disruptive guys back then. You know, it was, it started all this, you know, all the, it, was, it was thinking startup globally when he was, he was still in the undergraduate community, he started Young Soul, and that got incubated by 440NG, right? Showing us that there was no limits. We also had Shegun Odeyemi, inspiring us to dream big and act excellent by showing us how big fashion could become with gorgeous outfits. What's, what um, gorgeous outfits did, what Shegun Odeyemi did was also very tremendous because he was, the, he was one of those guys that became a millionaire through fashion. All, all this guy was doing was blazers, was suits. And he became a millionaire, right? I'm sorry if you can hear me. If you can, if you can, if you can't hear me, can you please, can you please, um, can you please let me know? Can you still hear me? If you can hear me, please can, let me see in the comment section that you can hear me. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you very much. So, um, back into that, right? So, as I said, with fashion, we're just selling blazer. This guy became a millionaire right here in on campus in Obafemi Awolo University, right? So then we have Crave Daniels, right? Crave Daniels has grown into an international consulting firm right now, established in the United Kingdom. I've, I worked with Sheon Kufaram is one of the best people I've, I've worked with in my life. And I'm forever grateful that, that, that he gave me the opportunity to work with him. I enjoy working with, I will work with him over and over again, I'm such a big fan of Shukunfolami because what he did was very disruptive. Who is a very amazing person, right? So as I said, then we had Crave Daniels by Shukunfolami training us to think proactively, proactively global. So Shukunfolami was one of the people who started the certification industry, um, certification market for project management and human resource in Ife, right? So while Toby Obasa brought project management to the market, right? Sean decided to take it further by introducing certification. So what Sean did differently was that he was the certification um, 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 channel. So that is why, you know, in Obafemi in, in University right now, once you come to Obafemi to do anything, they will ask you for certification, right? He was the one that birthed that culture of, of certification in Obafemi University. These were guys that were thinking differently. They were questioning everything and creating value as answers to those questions. So we also had Jomi of Joe's Indulge. Yes, Jomi, amazing guy, started Joe's Indulge. Joe's Indulge was bringing menus that people did not believe would sell in Ife. Jomi, Jomi started um, pizzas. Jomi started hamburgers. Jomi started, you know, premium, premium alternative meals in the, in the community, in the undergraduate community. People thought it would not work, but he was a very disruptive person creating value, amazing stuff. I'm already, you know, there are so many stories, you know, if I were to tell every individual story that I know of all the names mentioned here, we will spend a lot of time. So let me just rush through. So we have Jomi of Joe's Indulge, we had Quick Chow, we have Tunde 20 TNT, introducing us to how providing the best experiences 
was the soul of building businesses. We also had Sunwo Cards. You know, Sunwo Cards was one of the most interesting projects at the time. Sunwo was was found. It was founded by you know by a team led led by um, Yinka Adewale. I don't think he was the act. He was he was a co he was a co lead on the project, right? Because I, I like to get my story straight. He was a co lead on the project, but now he's the founder of Kudi.ai. If you heard of Kudi.ai, right? That guy started building projects, started building solutions while he was a student on campus. His first project that you know became widely acclaimed was Sunwo Cards, right? But now he's the founder of Kudi AI. And then Boye Richard, yes, Boye Richard is another amazing guy. I wasn't really too close to him, but I was within that circle, so I knew about him. And he was one of the biggest influences on what OU Tech community is today. Very amazing and influential guy. And he was also very, very um, amiable. He was someone that you could easily approach, but he was, um, he was very influential in defining what the tech community in, OU, in um, the tech community in OU is today. Right, so we also have um, so so yes, yeah, I said Boye Richard, who is one of the biggest influences on the OU tech community, showing us how to think disruptively. Why having people like Moyadeyemi? Moyadeyemi now works with Twitter, but she was one of the very influential um, individuals in the OU tech community. She was the head of GDG um, in Leife, right? So we had Ayodele Obashegun. Yes, he was leading IEEE. He was. Obashegun was really amazing, very talented guy. He had started robotics. He was the one that introduced very high-level technology to, to the community, you know, that I am aware of. Because I know, as at the time, right back, you know, in 20, 2016, around 2016, 20, 20, 2015, 2016, 2017, I know he was already doing disruptive projects of, um, of, neuro, of neuro, was it neuroscience, yes. Bioengineering, he was doing bodies bioengineering. He was doing really crazy, interesting tech stuff that even his, his lecturers were not even probably teaching at the time. And one thing I knew about Obashegun was that <laughs> um, I don't know if you would like me to share that, but since I, you know, since I don't know, let me not share that. But it was something, it was something about you know his grades and all of that also. But I know Shegun was also in, in, uh, was representing school at international competitions. Um, the there's this there's this cop that there's this cop is it is it emerging cop but there's one international competition that he represented school in severally and then more more OU students started getting more representation within the school if you can still hear me i want you to let me know in the, in the comment section i'm asking because my airpods keep tripping i'm sorry i said airpods my pods they're not airpods okay thank you okay okay you can thank you so much thank you so much for that Awesome. So let me continue, right? So, um, so as I said, Ayodele Obashegun, Caleb Mbakwe, driving Google, IEEE, and Microsoft communities. Yes, Caleb Mbakwe was another interesting guy. He was was leading the Microsoft community at the time, right? So these guys were showing us transformational leadership. Those guys were leading causes that were hard. They were leading new frontiers that it was just crazy. Trust me, right? So another generation sprang forth. You know, as Tosin Abejide went big with how beauty could grow skin deep. You know, this part is just creative writing, right? So Tosin Abejide went big with how beauty could grow so skin deep that would cause a beauty revolution because she used to call, she calls her business um, the house of revo, house of revolution, right? So she started a, a makeup and beauty business that has grown so, that's grown really big right now, right? So she's the owner of house of revo. Then we also had WhatsApp delivery. Yes, I was part of this team, WhatsApp delivery by Adeniye Ajakaye, 
Um, Adeni right now is in the UK, um, doing amazing stuff, still, still creating amazing products. He worked as a design consultant with Alda Consulting, very amazing guy. So these are the kind of solid guys we had in OU. These are the kind of guys that I was relating with. So I was thinking on a different level, right? We had Neonata boards by Joshua Igba. Yeah, Joshua Igba also introduced Neonata boards, right? I remember the time where he would be knocking on students, student doors in, in Angola, telling us about digital boards, right? People were looking at him strange. But then some way, somehow, these guys just brought digital boards around, you know, high traffic centers around campus. So students could listen to news, students could watch news on digital boards right here in OAU campus. Amazing stuff. People were challenging the norm, right? In, you know, creating amazing stuff, right? Then we had Salon Design by Samson Uyi. Samson Uyi introduced how perspective and storytelling could radically change businesses. This guy just used to cut hair, but the way he did it was different. And this radically changed, right? The haircut industry here in Obafemi Awolo University and in Ife. It grew, it grew really fast that he got a shop, um, you know, in um, Lakiri, you know, doing amazing stuff, serving markets as far as OUI, serving markets, amazing, amazing stuff people were doing. Then we had Kitchen Monsters by Kemi Oyedipo. Kemi, Kemi Oyedipo is one of the most fascinating individuals in this story because this girl built a food business without having ever having a shop. Or she was the one that started this um, pre-ordering business model for food. She would cook amazing meals and just sell. Without owning a shop, she would cook right there in the hostel. In Moremi there, that people would look at and say, what goes on there? There was someone building an amazing business that grew really fast. Now she has expanded serving different, different parts of Nigeria, serving Ibadan. I think she serves some part of Abuja. I think she's in Abuja now. Doing amazing stuff, right? Then we had the broth by Marizu Nwadike. Marizu Nwadike was another guy who dared to redefine the norm by thinking out of the box. All he was selling was pepper soup, but the way he sold pepper soup was different. He introduced different types of pepper soup, pepper soup with yam, pepper soup with um, plantain. You know, students were thinking out of the box. It was an, interest, it, it was an interesting time. So we had those building platforms like Tolu Elemosho. This guy is interesting. In fact, Tolu Elemosho would actually be a guest after this onboarding session. When we start the next version of the session called the forum, where we start inviting stakeholders and guests to come give us the tools that they used or tools that we can use to actualize all of this big grammar that I'm saying, you are going to meet them. So Tolu Elemosho right now is in, is it Iceland or Ireland? Forgive me, I don't know why it's, it's sorry, is it equatorial? No. Is in one of these is, is in the country that they say is the most technology progressive country. I, I can't remember, but right now is there. But while he was a student, Tolu built OAU markets. It was just a platform for people to buy and sell phones. Simple stuff. It was connecting people who wanted to sell phones with people who wanted to buy phones. And it grew so fast that he started buying phones and selling. Really stuff. So it grew really big. It grew into college more. And then we had Cloudshot Technology with Kelvin Umechuku. I also trust that I hope Kelvin will be able to also make it on the sh on on on, um, on the venture. Kelvin Umechuku, he, he built the consonants community and is that that has become amazing, right? So he's going to come and be sharing with us how he builds that and how we can use community as a tool to influence change. Then he and Femi will do build voice app. So the, the question they were trying to answer at the time was, how can we know what's going to who is going who is in class, right? 
without having to go to class. That's how we started, right? So they built an app like WhatsApp, right? Where you can feed information about class, share notes, and all of that. Very interesting product. Then we had those who showed us to reach for the sky by driving moonshot innovations when we weren't even ready for, for, for it. Like Ololade Otayemi. Ololade Otayemi is one of the people I respect so much. This guy was doing things that normal students were not thinking about. He was building phones. He wanted to be the first to build Nigerian-powered phones and tabs. He had what we called Obra Technologies while he was on campus. The, the idea grew so big that I think he had to, he had to leave the university for a while and he had to drop out. It was like, it, like he had his own, you know, his own Bill Gates version of the story. Right? And then we had Olao Lubalogun, you know, the guy with the afro. He was always, he was driving robotics through ACI that, that became Tantita and grew into Envelope 8. So what I want you to do in the comment section, right, any, anytime you're listening to this, is I want you to share people in your school that represent this storyline, people who have inspired change, people who have thought differently. Please share with me on LinkedIn, share with me um, on Medium in the comment section, share names of people, share what they did, right? Tag them in the post, let them know that we actually see what they are doing, what they did for us and their influence on the undergraduate community. I'm personally going to look for all of these people and tag them in that post um, during one of these times. So please, in the comment section, share names, share the school, share what they did. Let's start a revolution. Let's share stories, right? So, now, I shared this so we can observe a trend or some form of model to validate the feasibility of my proposition. The first wave also ushered a new way of thinking and initiated the stages of development through a life cycle we would explore. I think this life cycle would enable the formation of this value creation ecosystem being unfolded by the venture matrix for the future of Africa. All of the events stated below, all of the events, okay, all of the events stated below to mark these stages are used as reference points for these stages as markers of the dominance of the subject matter of that time within this context, i.e., that is, Obafemi University, Ileife. My proposition for the venture matrix for the future of Africa is designed for a life cycle of eight stages. These stages are, so what I'm simply saying there is, the references I used in this to define these models, to define these stages of development, where the variables that characterized those periods, not like as if those, these things have never happened before, no. But I'm saying during the time I was building this model, these were the things that defined, they're like the zeitgeist. Okay, that one is big grammar. They, they, were, the, they were the most prevalent things uh -huh, that were defining the period at that time. So the, the stages of development for the undergraduate community to become an economic revolution is number one, the first stage, the groundbreakers. So remember this stage is what is initiated by the first wave. So when the first wave or cause, you can expect to see these things. The groundbreakers phase, the opportunity stage, the awakening of communities, the bridge stage, the creation of an enabling environment, the rise of institutions, the ecosystem, the ecosystem and then that will now relate, that will now um, translate into what? The transformative economy. So this is 450. Wow, today's time, you know, is really fast spent. So I'm gonna rush a little bit. So the groundbreaker stage, this is most times observable from democratic shifts that happen at the beginning of a new session when new students are admitted into the university and hosted on campus 
from different parts of Nigeria and Africa and are required to either settle in the community by challenging or conforming to the norms. So every year, right, new students are ushered into the undergraduate community. And this is beautiful because you have different people from different backgrounds, from di with different stories, with different interests, with different belief systems, all camped in one place. Which other uh, place or which other, which other uh, which other community gives more excitement as much as this? I don't think there's any other. So you have, like now in, in, in OAU, about 5,000 students to 12,000 students come in every single year through direct entry, through merit, through, um, um, through second degrees, diplomas. Master. So you just have, so that groundbreaker stage is defined by that new entry of ideas where people begin to challenge the norm and people start saying, wow, this is an opportunity. This is a blank check. I can create something. I can do something different, right? So this is why this first stage of de development is most times characterized by the changes to the political, as, as, as I said before, it's, it's most times characterized by the changes to the political, cultural, or socioeconomic landscape of, on, of an undergraduate community, right? Um, this state of negotiation, okay, sorry. These changes always trigger a need for people to act. At this stage, students start to question what is normal. Sorry, what normal is and what it should be. This state of negotiation leads to the swelling of the wave where the outliers begin to challenge the norm by choosing to explore the option of a different reality, either born of, number one, their disruptive nature. So for me, it was just because I'm disruptive in nature. I just like a different idea. I just like different. I just like looking for that other alternative that people are not really looking at, that different side of the conversation. So my disruptive nature gave birth to, you know, me being part of, you know, that groundbreaker stage, right? Or a need for survival. Most people start businesses because they, don't, they, have, they have bills to pay, but they quickly realize that these businesses could become something else, that these businesses could be bigger, and then the opportunity of exploring was bigger than them, right? Or just a desire to create their own reality. Somebody can just say, ah, you know, like now, new students coming in can say, ah, we have XYZ in Lagos. Why can't we have it here in Ife? Let me just try it and do it here. Somebody else can say, ah, I live in Abuja. And I'm currently in, 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 in Noweri, Futo. There's this thing we do in, in Abuja. Why can't we just do it here? Why can't we just try it here? Right? So those kind of conversations birth change. Or lastly, the drive to explore opportunity. So you can notice an opportunity and quickly chase it. Like now, you just notice that, ah, it seems more students are buying iPhones. Let me quickly stand and start an iPhone brand in my school. Let me quickly start um, laundry because I can see that most students, you know, after the lockdown, students are going to be busy and they will not have time to wash their clothes. Let me start a laundry business, but let me do something different. Don't just build solutions because you want to, you want to, you know, for profit, you want to solve hunger. No, 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 no. Do it because you see an opportunity to enact change, right? That's what the groundbreaker stage is about. The next stage is the opportunity stage. This stage is all about opportunities within the community, either from internal providers or from external providers, and this creates the first form of market or market opportunity. This stage marks a period with the influx of events and community activities by external individuals who model the life undergraduates aspire to achieve. So what characterizes this stage is that people just start to host events anyhow. You know, just like the way at the, at the beginning of the lockdown, 
you just see one or two webinars, you know, you just see one, two Zoom events, you know, one, two, three. But right now, every day, there is Zoom events for every hour. You just need to search. So that is what you call the opportunity stage because people begin to look for a different, if for stories that does, that look like them or represent an idea that they aspire to. So when you start having people like, okay, students will start saying, you know, let's even talk about the more relatable case. Students start asking themselves, why can't we invite Davido to our school? Why can't we invite Davido to our school? Let's, let's just come together and invite Davido to our school. That's the opportunity change because they want to see Davido and feel like they are not losing out in the best experiences, right? And that, those things start to create markets because when you say, let's bring Davido, you will now put gate fee. People now start to pay for the service. So it now becomes a thing as time unfolds that whenever there's a show and there's gate fee, students want to do that. I remember in Imagine, Imagine Cinemas, right? Imagine Cinemas is another beautiful brand that used, that used, so they used to show movies, right? Somebody just asked the question, right? People are used to cinemas now. People watch Netflix. Why can't we just have our own mobile um, cinema? And they just started. And right now, they generate revenue in crazy amounts. I don't know the figures, but when you see the crowd at Amphitheater, when you see the crowd at, I'm sorry, Odudua Hall, you will know these guys are making money, right? So dare to be different. So that's what it means by the opportunity stage. So this stage marks a period with influx of events and community activities by external individuals who model the life undergraduates aspire to achieve. Events like conferences, workshops, training, trainings, trade fair, and the sort were a major trigger for this phase. This drove a lifestyle beyond, be, yeah, this drove a lifestyle behavior culture that directly impacted the creation of markets. As the, as the frequency for hosting this project increased, as the cost of implementation reduced. So at that time, if you wanted to host a seminar, you wanted to, you wanted to, to host um, a training or trade fair, I remember I used to use SUB car park a lot. It would cost you a lot. The process was long. But as people continue to do it, you could always access SUB. Adjusted was even given, Adjusted was even accessible for free once you could write letter. So those kind of things started inspiring people to, you know, do more projects. Why can't I call Walesho Inka to come and give a talk in my school? I just need to write to Adjusted Hall to give me the hall for free. Or once I can just pay 15000 for cooperative building, I can use them. So things like that started to happen. People started to put skin in the game. Right? So getting access to venues and volunteers. Then students, you know, started volunteering. Very exciting times at, you know, that period. Students started getting awake to the concept of volunteering. Today in OAU, once you, are, you call for volunteers, you'll get a lot of responses. So that stage is called the opportunity stage because people want to be part of things that represent the opportunity that they want to explore. Right? So getting access to venues and volunteers, getting support. You know, students started writing to organizations to sponsor events, and they were getting it. I remember Coca-Cola doing massive events in school at that time because students were reaching out to them, collaborating with them to bring Coca-Cola Coca to their schools to do amazing projects, right? So, um, as I said, in my, in my case, hosting such events at, as at 200 level wasn't as easy or desirable. But by 400 level, as many as three events were happening every month. As in, imagine, imagine how lively OU was. Three events every month was the normal, it was a normal thing. 
it was a normal thing at the time. Three events. Whether that, although right now it's more of entertainment, but in my time, it was business conferences, um, employability seminars, um, get ready to work, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of trainings were going on. Design trainings, a lot was going on. That is why the way you community is as vibrant as it is right now. We 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 went through this, we participated actively in these phases. Right. I'm sure it's the same for schools like Futa, UI, Unilag. So please don't just listen that I'm mentioning OU. It's what I can most relate to, but I know it's like that across other universities, right? So as I said, um, as many as three events were happening every month, a number of accessible venues increased by more than 60%. In my time, you could only use cooperative building or amphitheater or 1000 sitter. But right now, there are so many venues you could use. You can use BOOC, BOOA, you can use Adjose, you can use cooperative building. There were just a lot of venues you could use. You could use um, this plaza outside campus. Um, I can't remember right now. Amazing cinema. Yeah, they were charging that. So this is the stage where the undergraduate community starts to develop its consumer behavior and starts to fall within an economic class based on their behavior. So this opportunity stage also marks the time that students start to reveal their economic class. You start to see who, who the big boys are. The big boys start to spend money, right? Because, because of the groundbreakers. So let me give you an example. Because of the groundbreakers like, um, like Jomi, who was, let's say, doing pizza, it was in this stage, you started seeing the big boys carrying the girls, you know, taking the girls to, 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 to Jomi to eat pizza. Normally, when there was no Jomi, right, they would just go to Fox and Fingers and just order rice and, and you know, chicken or beans, you know, the same thing. But when students started innovating new products, that's when the big boys started showing themselves, Captain Cook regularly, Country Kitchen regularly. Then the people, you know, who were on the other side of the conversation where, where you know, going to where they were going to let me not put up the right the wrong um narrative here so for example right some people began to visit country kitchen and captain cook frequently some people started visiting joe's banwell and guests more frequently than before because there was now a consumer behavior created from this triggering in the environment right then another would stick to eating at a1 a2 and Mama B, especially those who were in the hostels, right? So the introduction of startups like Quick Chow, Foodie, and WhatsApp delivery was a game changer in this market because students, so can you imagine that on our campus, at my time, we could order food for the, and delivery as far back as 2018, 20, 2017, 2018. Students would stay in their hostel and order food. As in, imagine that student environment. It was, it was, it was exciting, it was interesting, right? You could order food from your campus, from your phone. It was, it was an interesting time. So they were making life better for students. And that was real value. The next phase is the awakening of communities. Oh, wow, we're on five, five o'clock already. I need to rush. So that means I can't do any explaining for now. Let me just finish and then I'll do a summary. I'm sorry for not fully maximizing the time, right? So the awakening of communities, every economic progress that will be sustainable has to be built on a social cost framework. There is, a, there is no real economic change without social change. The opportunity stage of development ushered in the need for people with common goals, aspirations, and shared values and beliefs to exchange ideas and resources towards achieving these aims. Students began to connect, collaborate, share resources, and support each other. Their primary goal was to provide access to resources that would equip them to explore bigger opportunities together. 
And this started to impact the university community and even the host community. You know, it was in this, in this period, they started having, okay, let me, let me continue reading. Students became more invested in social work and social issues and social causes. They collaborated to implement social interventions and social innovations directly impacting their experiences as students on campus and catering to the needs of the marginalized within the community. This felt the vibrancy of communities, clubs, and student organizations such as ISEC. So ISEC had been around, but became, they became more vibrant after the last phase, which as we discussed was the opportunity stage, right? So ISEC, JCI, were becoming more vibrant, you know. They began to interface with communities such as Startup Brand IFE, you know, started, started you know, communities started, started um, popping from, from anywhere, from everywhere. Instead of having communities like Startup Grind IFE, Consonance, WordPress Community IFE, GDG, Andela Campus Community, Microsoft Community, Space Club, you know, it's amazing how many communities we have in IFE. I'm so excited about Obafemi Awolo University and the potential impact it could have on a place like Ife, right? I'm sure other, there are other communities. So you can share communities with me also in the comment section, um, in the chat box. You can let me know your communities that are impacting your students' environment. So this also marked, and this is one thing that really excited me. This also marked the time where religious circles became more diverse and actively involved in community development. It was such an exciting thing to, to observe. Churches and, 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 and mocks started, started embracing the idea of innovation, creating value, and it was such a great time to see. Something that we're not really, it was just exciting, right? You see pastors, you know, student pastors, fellowship leaders, you know, inspiring followers to, to, to create value. You know, birthing truths from the Bible, birthing truths from the Quran about how they should impact their societies and communities positively. It was such an exciting time. Students were thinking like that. It marked such an ex exciting time. You know, I'm privileged to be part of um, the SWAT church, and it's a big conversation in my church. We, we talk about value creation. We talk about capital. How can you build capital? My, my pastor and you know, I call it my pastor and spiritual father, Reverend Hussein Michael Joseph. Amazing, amazing man. He would, you cannot be in the SWAT and not be inspired to create solutions. That, what, those were the kind of things that we were seeing in this period, right? So it was such an amazing experience when I was invited to speak at the MSSN community, led by a lady, a lady at the time. I'm, I, don't, sorry, don't confuse the excitement, right? I'm just excited that it was, you know, it was an experience for me, right? Aisha is such an amazing leader. She was the leader of, of that community at the time, and she invited me, right, to their mosque. I was, I was shocked, actually, because she invited me to, to their mosque, but, you know, they had another engagement, so we had to change venues. But she invited me to come talk about skills and competencies needed to explore opportunities. And, you know, that community was so receptive. They, they kept collecting my number, they kept asking me to come back, they were really excited about the experience. And I was, I, I, I didn't feel strange. I, did, I felt like I was with my own people, right? So they were so receptive and were even open to inviting me to their mosque, right? But for another engagement that was going on at the time, there were more than 100 students in attendance. So people actually showed up, right? There were two patrons and then there were two external guests. I remember Fuad, Fuad, a, a major um, 
Fuad right now works with Zikoko. He, he was working with Zikoko at the time, right? So Fuad came, I connected with Fuad, amazing guy, amazing content strategist, right? And then two external guests who were also Muslims and I was the only person of a different faith at the event. Now, the bridging stage. This was a stage of, pivot, of pivoting, right? Now, there was groundbreakers had emerged. Communities were awake, right? Opportunity stage was the norm. Now, people, started, people outside campus, the corporates, the big organizations, they started to notice. So this stage marks the stage where, the bridging stage marks the stage where the internal environment seemed to have attained a state of critical mass and it was time to reach beyond the walls of the university to other universities and corporate, corporate organizations. That's why I started having um, the law society, uh, reaching out to other law societies in other campuses. You have, um, I remember psychology association, we have national seminars, you know, students from, from, uh, from psychology departments from all over the, the nation would come together, right, to discuss topics. It was an exciting time, right? So this stage marked the establishment of relationships and bridging the student community and local, to bridging the student community with the local and global value creation ecosystem through competitions, internships, fellowships, hackathons. That's when, you know, a lot of hackathons were going on on campus. So campus leads of initiatives, that's when Hot Prize came to school, you know, campus ambassadorship, campus ambassadorship programs. So in this phase, we had students like Barakat Tiamiu, who I fondly call the Iron Lady, driving the establishment of the Hot Prize competition in OAU. We had Emmanuel Faith and his team driving the Unilever Africa Idea Trophy campaign on campus. We had Tola Okodua connecting women in Obafemi Awolo University to WinBiz, the organization. We had Temi Adelano connecting the iconic community with the Osasui Gwinedion Foundation and then the tech ecosystem. Like we had student ambassadors for the Bank of, Af of America, Mary Lynch and Goodman Sachs. We had representatives as students from KPMG, you know, from BCG, you know, from the other big three and big four consulting firms right there on campus. So if you were students, you didn't know how to apply for Goodman Sachs. There was a Goodman Sachs um, representative you just need to look for. Um, you, you don't want, you don't know how to, you want to join Google. You don't know how to join Google. There was a Google community. You wanted to be a, a participant in the Microsoft community. There was somebody you could talk to. You wanted to learn how to become an investment banker. There was a Bank of Mary Lynch guy to help you out. You wanted to know how to apply for the aptitude test in KPMG. There was someone you could talk to. So it was an exciting time, right? So these student communities commit, committed to building relationships with a network of organizations for mutual benefit. So these organizations were looking for talents and, we, and they had students on ground who were introducing them to a talent pool. That was an amazing time, right? So for mutual benefit, and that was the first validation of the potential of this undergraduate community. This was the period of the undergraduate community interfaced with the value creation ecosystem and established its voice and position in the value chain as a stakeholder. Now, the next phase, right, is the creation. So these three or four stages that I've mentioned so far, the groundbreaker stage, the opportunity stage, the, um, the awakening of community stage, right? These three stages marked, it, was, it, it now became the benchmark, right? Because it was, it was now a normal thing for every community, or every, for every undergraduate community across the nation to undergo these things, 
So in every community, in every school, you find these things, right? But there's one place we're getting stuck, which is here, the creation of an enabling environment, because that is where we needed to now start engaging and negotiating with stakeholders, right? And that is where most people get stuck in their university. Because you notice a lot of things going on in your university, but not so much progress. It just, it just, there's always a glass ceiling, and this is why, right? It is because of the creation of an enabling environment that needs to be done. And that's where we are, and that is what we need to do from now. And that is what the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa project seeks to address, right? I'm going to be sharing with you my ideas on how we can solve this in, um, series, in the other series, right? So let me quickly read this. We have only five minutes left. So this stage is where most progressive undergraduate communities like my alma mater, OAU, are stuck. This stage is the reason why I'm putting some skin back in the game for us to transcend. This stage is where most undergraduate communities who evolved through these initial stages of development before my time in the university also stopped and couldn't grow beyond. So this is the same place where people who had come before me had explored and they couldn't pass. So the focus over the last decade, the, the last decade rather, has been on creating leadership systems to sustain the stage of development already at end. So one thing we need to do is all over the nation, right? University communities right now have been able to establish how they can always pass through those three initial stages. So in any university right now, there is a way to this thing would easily pass through these three stages. But this is where they are stuck, right? So they have, they have created leadership systems. So it's easier for leadership transition now. So that's why in JCI, it's easy to transit leadership and the next person can carry on. In, in places like uh, GDG, Microsoft, the, those communities are still vibrant because they've mastered the system of transference of leadership. Amazing things that young people are doing, right? So um, this has been able to sustain the progress, but not efficiently enough because an enabling environment is key to the next stage of development. This is where we are now, and this is where we need to focus all of our energy on. It will require an archetype of the economic framework of the three Ps called the public-private partnership. So the public in, the, in this sense being the university, um, the university administration, our state government, our local government, our federal government, right? Those are the public in this phase, right? And the private partnerships being the innovation class of the community. Don't worry, another series would would discuss the concept of the innovation class, right? So it will require an archetype of economic framework of the three Ps. So to create an enabling environment, you just need these three things, right? The three Ps, which are projects or platforms, policies, and then partnerships or people. Unlike other value creation ecosystems, the undergraduate community value creation ecosystem will be defined by one market reality alone, which is creativity over certainty. Stakeholders in this value chain, especially investors, need to invest in the creativity of the market, of the, in the creativity of the market engagement, defining the market opportunity rather than the certainty of the market opportunity, as is done in tra traditional venture capital systems. What this simply means is they need to invest in the change going on in these communities beyond the products or the, or the opportunity itself. They need to invest in people, sim simply put. They need to invest in the ability for pe of people to create things. Right? That is where the investment opportunity lies. So investors and creators would have to choose creativity over certainty 
in defining the market opportunity that is investment worthy within these, this, this ecosystem. So I'll be discussing the other stages of, the, of development within this economic life cycle in the other series and my projections on the outcomes of some concerted action towards a transformative economy in our universities. In the next series of the Virtual Matrix of the Future of Africa project, I'll be share. I'll, so next series is where I start to tell you my own layout design that I feel anybody can copy. You can copy, you can use. It's a design I think we can use to convert our undergraduate community into an economy of its own. That is the simple idea, right? So in the next series of the Venture Beijing for the Future of Africa, I'll be sharing my design on how to create an enabling environment where the undergraduate community can drive a transformative economy. So it gets a little daunting from here. This is 5.13 by my time, and we have come to the end of this session. Thank you so much for joining in. I hope you've been excited. I hope it has been an amazing learning experience. And then now, we'll just have a little more discussion. All right, so see you tomorrow, same time, same place, are we, as we talk about Series 3, The Case. Have a great day. All right, so um, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for the comments. Thank you so much for the comments. Um, I just have a few points here to discuss with us before we leave. At least I still have one minute. So um, a lot of people have been reaching out to me. So a summary is that today's session, the series two, is, is attacking three major things. Number one is what? The power of questions and questioning the norm. Number two, the power and the need for an enabling environment to be able to explore the potential of these opportunities in our undergraduate um, community. And then the heart of service. Although I didn't talk about the heart of service directly, but I will make sure I talk about that in tomorrow's session briefly. Right? So thank you so much. So a lot of people have been reaching out to me, telling me that they want to join the program. And I've noticed that some people have not been very active um, on the current program. So what I will do is, after tomorrow's session on Wednesday, I'm going to open the application link for people to apply to join. And we're going to remove those who, have, who, we found inact who we have found inactive on the program. As I said, this is serious stuff. We are just, we're not just talking, right? After this stage, we, we go into actions. After the onboarding sessions, we'll start engaging stakeholders to give us practical tools and help us to demystify the challenges in achieving these ideas that we've been discussing, right? But after that, we will go into practical stuff. We will start policy campaigns. We will start real stuff. So we need people who are committed and devoted to this vision, right? So on Wednesday, after this session, I'm going to open the link for registration again, and we are going to remove those who are found um, not participating in the, in the session. Yes, 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 yes. In fact, we are not, we are not biased towards any school. If we, yes, two more leaders from your school can join. We can have 100 leaders from one school. But as I said, what we need in the program is to have representation. We need more people from the north. We need more people from the south. We need more people from the east. We need more people from the west so that we can have a robust conversation. We can have a rounded view on this thing and not just have a, a certain group of people. 
Thank you, Jare Motara. Yes, so my neck, my neck is actually paining me. Yes, so thank you so much. Tomorrow, the link will be open. I would, I would discuss that more, more intensely tomorrow, after tomorrow's session, the case, right? So thank you very much. You can start living now. Um, from tomorrow also, I would like us to start taking selfies together, right? So I will need you for one moment to have um, your videos on from tomorrow at the end of every session so that I can take a screenshot of the screen of everyone. Yes, so Emmanuel, buy me what I owe and, <laughs> and, order, order <laughs> and have it delivered to me. I'm, I'm currently um, in, in Ife. So, yes, please. Okay, thank you so much for joining in, guys. Um, thank you so much for the comments. I think I'll just go into the comments and start reading them now. All right, then.